This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Dick Stockton and you're listening to The Jake Brown Show. And we're back here on The Jake Brown Show. CBS Radio's played on it. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher is where you find us and... For me, I always love talking to guys in this industry who've been around forever. I mean, this guy has been around since the 70s. He called the Reds Red Sox World Series in 1975. He's been doing it for, what, 40 years now, and he's got a new podcast. I mean, everyone's got a podcast now. It's the Stockton Podcast. Get it on iTunes, StocktonPodcast.com. A-Rod was his first guest. We'll talk about that. But, Dick, appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing? Jacob, it's good to be on with you, and it's, uh, you know, after all the years of play-by-play, uh, it's good to jump into something new, which I have always wanted to do, interviews with people and get something out of this. Who steered you in this direction? I mean, we see so many people doing podcasts, and you said, hey, let me join the party here. Well, you know, I, I listen to podcasts, and they're talking about what do you think, who do you think will win tonight, current issues in sports, and I thought that with nearly 50 years of play-by-play in so many of the major sports and meeting all these guys that I thought that I could lend something that may be a a bit unique to get inside the thoughts of some of these great athletes that I have talked to and worked with even over the years, coaches, players, owners, who knows, and uh, perhaps get something because I think over the years you, you know, hopefully get some respect from these guys who have uh, heard me do games and I've done their games. And so I thought that was a perfect opportunity. I mean, you come out with a bang here, uh, Dick, with A-Rod as your first guest. I mean, he's gone into the broadcasting industry. He's now a colleague, basically, here at Fox. Uh, what was it like talking to A-Rod on the first show? I have known A-Rod. You know, our paths have crossed many years, and we've seen each other. We've talked to each other. We've had a, a bit of a bond over the years. I wouldn't call him a great friend because I haven't been around him that long. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I wanted to talk to him, and I saw the way he performed on our Fox postgame baseball shows and how natural he was and how easy he was to deal with the other panelists and the information that he gave out. I thought he was exemplary, really. What intrigued you most about the interview? Now, there was a very interesting parts where he talked about what stood out most to me, Dick, was probably when he said the time he had to tell his daughter what happened and the things he had done wrong was very emotional, tough for him. What in the interview stood out most to you? That, that was a keynote. Uh, I think this man has grown up. I'm not saying he was immature before, but I think he admitted to me, and you heard it, that he was always concerned with himself, his numbers, what he was achieving. He even said that the reason he took performance-enhancing drugs was the pressure on him to perform so much. Get the big numbers. Be the big star on the team. And he told me during the year he had off that besides admitting to his daughters that he had made mistakes and to learn from them, he told me that he'd become more of a team guy, that he wasn't as concerned with being a selfish superstar, which so many of them are, and 
more of a team guy. And even when I talk to him about his work on the Fox show, I want to give credit to the other panelists. So I think when he said to me the key words, I think I'm rounding first. Imagine that from a guy who has put up such fabulous numbers in 22 years in the big leagues, only thinking now, rounding first, he's got a big future in front of him. Dick Stockton joining us here on the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Play. It. You've been doing this for so long. Uh, is there a point where you see it coming to an end here? Or, or do you, like, how long can you, you and Marv Albert are up there in age, but still out here calling games? Marv's older than I am. That. <laughs> Every time I talk to Marv and he mentions the fact we went to Syracuse, he would always joke, Dick used to take me around when I was a young kid at Syracuse University. He was one year ahead of me. I think he is the best basketball announcer who has ever lived in television. And I did the NBA for so many years, but Marv Albert was born to do uh, the NBA, and he is tremendous, and he's a great friend. But uh, I'm going to continue to do it as long as I enjoy. Now I'm down to NFL. I don't think I want to do many, many sports now. I think the NFL is the key for me. And the role that I have at Fox, being a mentor to young broadcasters coming out, has really been rewarding to me. Listen, I broke in Troy Aikman and Daryl Johnston and John Lynch and Charles Davis, Hmm. Rondé Barber. I take great pride in that, and they have all done so well. And Marv's son, Kenny, is the only guy. I mean, you call, it seems like, all these sports. Mar- Kenny's the only guy who's called all four professional uh, major sports, so it's it's gone in the family. And you, you talk about developing these guys that you work with. Is it tough to gel with new color commentators when uh, you're shifting between different guys uh, year in and year out? Good question, Jake. Not really. Because what I do when I sit down with a new guy is I find out what his strength is. And I find out what can I do to make him really emerge and do well. I always put myself in a situation where I tell whoever I'm working with, I want people to say after a broadcast, well, I really enjoyed listening to those guys, but Rondé Barber really made some great comments. If we do that, we've succeeded. So... It's not about me, because I didn't break in in radio or broke in in television. It's always been about having a partner and making the partner look good, because let's face it, he played the game, he coached the game. People want to hear the gems from them. You went from Pittsburgh, you went to Boston, you end up calling the Red Sox uh, first year there. I mean, they make the World Series against the Reds, obviously. They do not win. The curse would end uh, about 30 years later. But you, you tell the story, and you told it with A-Rod. Your first audition tape, uh, I mean, you could explain it better, but you said your first audition tape wasn't good, and it took you seven times until the seventh time is when they said uh, the Red Sox said they were good enough to hire you. Can you just take us through that story a little bit? Yeah, it was painful at first because I'd go to Shea Stadium because Yankee Stadium was being refurbished, so i get a little corner of the press box at Shea Stadium, and the Yankees would be playing. I bring this old tape recorder. I knew the public relations director, and so I said, just give me a little spot. And I do this game, and I send the cassette to Gene Kirby, who was the assistant general manager of the Red Sox, behind Dick O'Connell. And he said, I'll listen to it, and I'll give you a critique. So I call him. What would you think, Gene? And he said, you have a legal pa- legal-sized paper? That's a lot of pages. And he went over all of the pages, all of the calls that I made, not only the calls, but the pattern of how I would do it. I learned play-by-play baseball in that one year. 
He sent me back continually to get it. And finally, in September of 1974, he said, you are now ready, and I can recommend you to be the Red Sox telecaster next year. Who knew that a year later I'd be calling the famous World Series? Was it tough hearing those rejections the first uh, seven times? Yes. In fact, I was. I went to my dad, who really has been responsible for me getting into sports and loving sports in the beginning. I said, Dad, I don't know whether I can do this. I think I, I'm not cut out to be a baseball broadcaster. And he said what he always said to me. Take that tape recorder, you go out to Shea Stadium, do it again, do it better, and keep doing it till they like it. Was your dad, or who was, uh, your biggest inspiration again in a broadcasting? Without question, but it's interesting. It wasn't so much the broadcasting. It was just the love of sports and newspaper writing. You know, when I was Mm. growing up, journalism was the big thing. It was great to be a broadcaster. I never thought, and I listened to Mel Allen and Red Barber and Vin Scully and Russ Hodges and all the greats. I never thought that I would ever do that, but I wanted to be a sports writer. And so I'd go home and I'd write stories. My dad would bring home eight newspapers. We lived in a suburb, Forest Hills, New York, of New York City. So there were a lot of newspapers around. We'd analyze what the columnists would write. Tell me why is Jimmy Cannon different from Dick Young? That's what I wanted to do. And, and when I went to Syracuse, they didn't have the Newhouse School. It wasn't really built until I was out of there by a year or two. So I was in the School of Journalism, and I never regretted it. I know Forrest as well. I, uh, I'm in Astoria, so I'm right by there in Queens. Uh, Dick Stockton joining us on the Jake Brown Show here. You mentioned how there were newspapers back then and just the, the change in broadcasting since the 70s. How has it changed for you and the, the way you call a broadcast? I mean, how has everything changed from social media on uh, since, it, since it was 30 to 40 years ago? You know, Jake, I call the games the same way I've always called them. I believe in standard. Pat Summerall had the standard. We've heard it from Dick Enberg, Kurt Gowdy over through the years. Uh, Call the game. Television, the pictures and the sounds carry everything. Just make the game interesting enough for the fans that they will enjoy the game, that you're enhancing the event, but you're not getting in the way. So I don't like over-talking. There's no words that I could use that are going to take the place of a ball going out of a ballpark and the fans going crazy in a game-winning home run. And now the, the, the social media side, Dick, is that, now is that all your PR? Like, are you not a big social media guy? I'm not a big social media guy. Mm-hmm. I know that we use it. We're going to be using it in our podcast. I use it with my website, dstockton.com, which has a blog every week. Mm-hmm. But I've never been into that. That doesn't mean I'm against it because that's the way of the world now. Mm-hmm. I think the president uses something uh, around uh, social media. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, social media is good. I use it when it works, and it does not uh, affect the way I call games when I'm doing play-by-play for a network. Follow Stockton Podcast on Twitter and go get the podcast um, on iTunes. We're talking with Dick Stockton here. Um what what game was it? Game six to seventy five. What game has been uh, your greatest memory that you got to call? Well, that was the one, Jake. Obviously, <laughs> here I am. The Reds are leading three games to two. We have two days of rain in Boston. 
This nor'easter keeps bringing the clouds in and the rain. After all this delay, people were saying, let's get this World Series over with. Who knew at the time we would have such a dramatic game six and a great finish to the World Series? The Reds win, and that brought baseball back because it was slumping. Baseball in the three previous years won by the Oakland A's, and they were great, but they were unexciting World Series. And I think this World Series brought people back, and it was the sixth game. So it was a dramatic kind of thing. You never real, realize how great it's going to be until time passes. It's like Willie Mays' catch in the 54 World Series. You kept seeing that photo of him over, with that over-the-shoulder catch in the polo grounds. You remember that, right? Yep. Well, it's time. Time makes things greater than they are at the particular moment. And I happen to be at the right place at the right time. Well, I can say I know of the tape. I'm, I'm a little young to uh, remember the actual uh, moment. But, yeah, one of the great catches in baseball history. Uh, which, which broadcaster, Dick, a couple more minutes here with Dick Stockton, which broadcaster in your mind has made you a better broadcaster? You always go down to the people who mentored you like you tried to mentor them. I would say that Kurt Gowdy, who was so kind to me in the 75 World Series, he was the giant of the industry. In those days, NBC had the Final Four, the Super Bowl, and the World Series, and he called all three of them. No one has ever done that, especially in the same year. He did that many times. So Kurt Gowdy, who was a legend in Boston, made me feel very comfortable when I came up for the bottom of the fifth inning of Game 1 at Fenway Park of that World Series. And then even after that, I realized from Kirk Gowdy what humility is all about. Here was a man who had so much money, was a giant in the industry, and then, as we all know, time goes by, and now other people come by. He was still humble enough to want to do play-by-play, which he did at CBS. I learned from him. I learned from Lindsey Nelson. Those were the forerunners for me. Who now, I don't know, say pass the torch, I mean, you have the you and Marv Albert, but who now do you truly admire? Like my guys right now are kind of like a Gary Cohen, Ian Eagle, but who do you admire personally uh, as a broadcaster? Uh, they're both great, they're outstanding. I'll tell you one thing: we are blessed with so many terrific play-by-play people in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've always admired Al Michaels. I think Al Michaels may be uh, as good as you'll find uh, as a play-by-play announcer in any sport. Look, he did, you know, do you believe in miracles? He did the Olympic Hmm. hockey. He's a great baseball announcer. When ABC had it, he was phenomenal. He never did a bad event in my book in anything. So Al Michaels, to me, is one. You mentioned Marv. Uh, People are coming along that are very good. I noticed that Vince Scully, the greatest, um, has passed the torch to Joe Davis. But the guy that I always thought was the best young play-by-play announcer, and of course, he's, not, he's still young but not that young, is Joe Buck. Hmm. To Joe Buck, I think play-by-play was so effortless and is effortless for him that I could not believe how he did it and how he does it. Yeah, Joe Buck is a good one. Uh, last one for you. Uh, who? Uh, what's your message to young broadcasters, like people in their 20s? I'm 26 People in their 20s who are trying to get into the broadcasting industry. Everyone wants to do it. It's tough. Play-by-play is very tough. You have to start really at a minor league to a college level. But what is your, your tip or your point or message to those guys? Jake, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be anyone else. 
You can admire someone, be yourself, be solid, do what you think is right to get the message across, play within yourself. Hmm. Don't go beyond what you can do. Don't be, I'm going to use this word, buffoon. Don't be way out there so that you're so different that people say, boy, he's really different, and a lot of people like you and a lot of people dislike you. Be who you are. No sports. Be intelligent about it. Communicate. And don't wait for quick results as far as your success is concerned. It'll happen. If you're good, it'll happen. If you stick with it, it'll happen. There it is. Dick Stockton, StocktonPodcast.com. You get it on iTunes. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, who's coming up next on this? You had A-Rod. I mean, it's hard to really top A-Rod. Uh, but do you have any other guests lined up coming up here? Well, we, we're we getting John Lynch, who's a former partner oh, a of mine. One. Bill Walton, hmm. who's a colorful, interesting guy. <laughs> Chris Weber, who has a great story, as you know, as a player at Michigan. Uh, he had a little controversy, too, and now has made himself into an outstanding color broadcaster. We are going to do uh, a lot of people that you're going to see as time goes up. But those are three that you will hear. We call that a cavalcade of stars, if I take one of Clyde Frazier's uh, favorite (laughs) words. Dick, it was great talking to you, man. I enjoyed the podcast, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Jay. Good luck to you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.